0: It is Father's Day this morning and I'm honored to be able to stand before you, but yet I realize that there are probably more of you who are sitting before me or watching us online that are more qualified to speak to you, but I'm humbled to stand before you and be given this opportunity. This morning on this Father's Day, what I would like to do with you is just take you through a little bit of a guided journey of my past, exposing a little bit of who I am and where I am today and how I've come. This day, Father's Day, has been a day that i I have for many of my younger years struggled to embrace, struggled to really find any kind of celebratory elements to it. A day that has come and gone like any other day in the calendar year. Why? All because of me growing up in a home without a father present. Now I promise you I will not bum you out on Father's Day. I promise you this that as I stand before you today, that at the age of four, when this decision was made in our family, when my father decided to remove himself, that there was something else that was being put into motion, that there was another plan that was being orchestrated unbeknownst to me, and that I stand before you today fully aware that God's promises to be a father to the fatherless were constantly being revealed. I just couldn't see them. So I want to talk to you this morning just a little bit about me, okay, and my struggle, but yet having the eyes of my heart fully opened and made aware that he has always been with me. 1978 comes along, I find out that my mother and my father, and my mother who's sitting here with us today, hi moms, good to see you this morning, and um, 78 comes along, I'm four years old, and my mother and father decided that doing life together was no longer an option that was on the table, and there was a separation that took place in a divorce that followed. We had found ourselves moving to Marshfield, Wisconsin, a great little place in the center of this state where we called home in a mobile home, but it was interesting. Our home was a hallway with little compartments, but it became home for me, four years old. And it was interesting, I knew something was up. I knew something wasn't right. Dad wasn't there. Mom was there. Things were a little bit different. And I do recall, to be honest with you, the pain and the destruction that divorce brings into a home. How many of you have ever heard comments similar to this? You know, at least the younger you are, the more protected you are from the severity and the destruction of divorce. And the older you are, the more your mind can conceive and process, and you can depersonalize that it wasn't really about you. So the older you are, the better, and the younger you are, the better. Ever heard something like that? I say baloney. Man, the devastation and the destruction and the pain and the heartache that is is a result of divorce when it comes into a home, it's not a respecter of age. Four years old, I knew something was drastically different. Different to the point where I remembered, you know, two of the last encounters that I had with my father. And one of them goes like this, 1979, it was the summer. He comes and he visits. And I believe it was in their mind's eye to do family nights. So we decided to go out to the movies. And we're sitting in a theater and we're staring at a screen like you are staring at me. And I remember sitting there and I had this one scene in particular... There's this man all in white and he's leaning on this round table and his hands are there and all of a sudden this this glaze comes over his face and he starts He starts shaking Four years old remember I'm sitting there Absolutely horrified terror is upon me and I have no idea what's about to go on He's sitting there and all of a sudden bursting forth This little alien comes jumping out of the chest Quickly, we're grabbed by the arms and beeline to the doors, and we're out of there. What movie was it? Aliens. Aliens. Four years old. Thanks, Dad! (laughs) Awesome experience. I remember it, too. Seared right here. The next memory, Christmas, he comes and hands us envelopes. And I was just talking with my mom the other day, just to make sure. Because I remember it. I have a memory that's as keen as... Well, I have no idea. I, I pray that I never struggle with memory loss because I can remember with things all the way back when I was two years old. But he came at Christmas and he handed us some envelopes and he split without saying bye, without saying what was going to happen next. And I remember thinking to myself weeks, months later, the reality is clear. He wants nothing to do with me. And I thought to myself, Now what? Four years old, five years old. What is going to happen to this young boy? How do I now embark on this journey in life? I have a mom and I'm grateful for it, but she's not dad. I have an older brother, six years older than me, who liked to pretend he was dad, (laughs) but was not dad. What does this mean for me? And I remember thinking to myself, I have not a clue. I struggled with it. Thank God my mom was faithful enough to continue to be devoted to her faith. We attended a church Zion United Methodist Church in Marshfield Wisconsin pastored by Frank Heinbaugh a wonderful pastor, wonderful man of faith who became very close to our family. They knew my grandparents my grandfather was a brigadier in the Salvation Army. Great man of faith when he prayed it was like listening to the King James Bible come to life. Heavenly Father thee thou thou art this bread before us pray that we we were blah, blah. I'm thinking, I have no idea what you're saying, but go, Grandpa. <laughs> and uh, it was wonderful because that was a beautiful covering. They came to Marshfield, Wisconsin, and we were having our grandparents visit us, and one of the church families decided to have us over for dinner. I wasn't really sure how it all was arranged, but I knew that we were out there. My grandparents were there. Jim and Rachel Robus, a farm family, had five children. Three boys, two girls, and it was a beautiful expression of unity in their home. And we came out and we had dinner. It was beautiful. It was evening time, and after dinner, the adults went into the living room and they had their adult conversations. It was like they were kicking the kids out so they could be adults now. And I remember some of the kids saying, well, let's go out and let's have a tour of the barn. And I'm thinking, yeah, the barn. I've never been in a barn before up at that point in time, so I'm thinking, cows, yes, pigs, awesome, pet them, cool, nice. And we walk outside and it was dark. How many of you know when you go to the country for the first time as a kid and you see dark, it's dark. (laughs) It's not like city dark. A few years ago when we were driving out in the country and to go visit my farm family and my son was with us and we're driving and it was pitch black. He's like, Dad, where are the lights? Where are the lights, Dad? This is, I don't like this. They're in front of the car, they're lighting the road. We're good, I promise you, we're fine. But it freaked him out. It freaked me out, so we go outside and here's this darkness and lit by this weird yellow light that just seemed to not really illuminate anything like a dark corner in an alley in a very, very, very bad movie where something bad's about to happen. <laughs> This barn, we're walking towards it, and there's this dark hole. I know it's the entrance, but inside of it is this orange glow that's just, not orange, sorry, purple. And I'm looking at this thing, and I'm drawn to it. It was so cool. It was making the coolest noises too. Snap, And as we got closer to it, I'm watching this, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's smoke coming from this and it's loud, it's so cool. And then we got even closer and I could see flames. What is this contraption that is being allowed to be hung there and just make the coolest sounds and fire. We walk inside, I'm holding hands. I'm thinking to myself, you know, there should have been a disclaimer before going inside of a barn, right? Hey, just want to let you know as you step off of the plane and to your right, to your right is this, and to your left is this, which would be a gutter. <laughs> what goes in a gutter? Yeah. Poo! No, they didn't say that. They just tell me by the hand, and I'm being absolutely mesmerized as if I'm in a tractor being pulled to this purple snap, and all of a sudden, foom. Who knew, knee deep in poo, (laughs) right? This should not be, the smell was overwhelming and I remember it was just putrid. Ah, I freaked out, I ran out of the bar and went into the house, found my grandmother's lap, right? Was grandma, who was it? Yeah, grandma's lap, and guess what I did? (laughs) 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 Content stomach out now. And I thought to myself, what a great first impression for our family. (laughs) Wow. Who knew though, at that point in time, if we old, that God was beginning to orchestrate something so wonderful? What, stepping in the gutter? No, this family, this man, Jim Robe is saying, you know what, this boy needs our help. We want to be a covering for him. He needs an opportunity for him to be able to come out here and to have an expression of family that he doesn't have. Now he never said those words to me, but what he did say is, you can call me dad. So I called him dad. Jim was no longer Jim, who's no longer Mr. Robus. He was now dad. His sons and daughters were now brothers and sisters of mine. And I began to think to myself, this is awesome. But I had no idea of any spiritual connection, any idea that this was going to be a path that was going to have great Impact in my life because it was all because God was orchestrating this beautiful encounter that would happen many years later And I believe that this farm family the Robuses were divinely placed into my life to make that possible I also believe that they were divinely put in my life To be an earthly reminder that God's promise to us that he is a father to the fatherless that he cares about us It was my earthly representation of him sure absolutely growing up sometimes on the weekends there and growing up on the summers you know they were Jim and Rachel great people of faith for sure Uh, he was a Gideon he would go pass out Bibles and do some really cool stuff for the kingdom that we didn't really care about and we'd be in the barn in the morning doing our chores and it was the craziest thing because in this little old junky radio was piping music throughout the barn and I remember thinking to myself WGNV, Wisconsin's Good News Voice 88 point five Tears so sweet to trust in Jesus you're scraping the floor ah, what is this I can't stand it Tis. change the channel we could only change it when they were gone so they were I wanna rock and roll all night we're like yeah now we're motivated let's clean this barn It was always strange. They had this music playing, but it wasn't just because they were trying to torture us. It's because they were committed to their Heavenly Father. They were committed to their Creator, and this was their expression. This was their dance with Him throughout their day while doing life's work. Many years do go by, and I got to tell you, being a part of that family really should have made sense to me. But it really didn't because I was still absent a father. I was still absent something that was supposed to complete me. I was absent something that should have been a message in my life saying, you're doing awesome, you're doing this wrong, straighten up and fly right. You're doing this right. I'm proud of you, but it wasn't there. Father's Day would come and go. We would get a card, you know, for my farm father. I'd get a card even for my mom at times because I felt like she was doing double duty but she was still not dad. and a war so welled up with on the inside of me and I rebelled and I was angry because I felt like I had been robbed, something that should have been so present in my life. And I realized it wasn't my choice that he decided to split. I mean, I even went to a child psychologist and I remember writing letters to him over and over. And he would send them back, unopened, return to sender. That's a pretty strong message to send a young boy. So it stopped, but this war on the inside, and I rebelled against my mom, I rebelled against school, everything that should have made sense didn't make sense because you know what, at least I was in control. I remember hearing statements that my mother would make, hi mom, that, and these statements like, oh your dad, he was a failure, and he was no good. And he, you know, he was not kind to your brother, and you do something wrong, you take it out on him, and blah, 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 blah. All these negative statements, and I remember saying to myself, oh, I will never be like him. Ever. How many of you have ever said that? We've said that because we think, you know, our parents, we're never gonna be like them at all. I'm not gonna be like my mom. And I thought to myself, wow, all the world was seeing was an outward expression of an inward war that I couldn't seem to win. And I couldn't even begin to tell you that there were all these signs, these indicators that should have been drawing my eyes from this to this, but I couldn't make sense of it because I was so angry. I was so overwhelmed on the inside with despair, thinking that I had not, that I'd been ripped off, but realizing that if I would have just seen all the signs and the indicators through my farm family, their faith, through my grandparents, who made Bible school possible for us over and over and over To having random encounters with people of faith, friends at school who claimed to be Christians, how weird they were, and I wanted nothing to do with them. That he was still with me, made no sense to me. 16 years old, comes along, I recognize my need for Christ. It was just because I was lonely, I was angry, I was, I was mad, and I was tired. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, God, if you're really real... Please reveal yourself to me because I need something that I haven't found yet. Nothing's been sustaining, nothing has lasted. And that day, I opened up my heart to him and I cried out, and he came in and drastically changed my life. Now, which was a ride that I chose willfully to pursue and to put myself upon, was a roller coaster ride that was amazing, unlike the one when I was four, when I was unwillfully put onto an emotional roller coaster because of a divorce. I didn't sign up for that, but this one I did. And as I began to do this dance with my creator in as much of a struggle as it was, I began to see how continually faithful he was to me because I could now look back and I could see what was happening at four when Jim Robus came into my life. I could see what was beginning to happen when I would go and travel with a guy by the name of Joseph Jennings who was a motivational speaker that would go into inner city schools and he would hold these rallies. And I remember one time we're sitting there And it was a point in his presentation where he had all the girls stand up that had no fathers. Back in 92, it was a high demographic of individuals who had fatherless homes. So there was a lot of people standing, but he wanted just the girls. And he said, stand up because I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a dad to you for a moment. And he looked at one girl and he said, come up here. And he took a teddy bear and he says, I'm gonna give this to you. I'm gonna tell you something. I love you. I'm proud of you and you're beautiful. And don't you let anybody ever tell you otherwise. And he gave that teddy bear to her, and she went back. And I began to to think to myself, holy cow, that was awesome. But yet it still exposed this war within that has yet to be settled of my own need and approval of a father. And then I began to hear scriptures like this. Put up, if you would please, Psalm 64 four through five, and this is from the Amplified, because I like lots of words. I like descriptors. I'm more like the woman in my home than a guy, so take that for what it's worth. Amplified uses lots of words. Sing to God, sing praises to his name, cast up a highway for him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Be in high spirits and glory before him, a father to the fatherless and a judge and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. And I began to clearly see that my eyes were always fixed on what I had not. And I was so angry and bitter on the inside that I could not see what my Heavenly Father had been doing from the age of 4 on up to the age of 16. Constantly providing, constantly being there, constantly teaching, constantly being a father to me. But, but I needed a dad with skin. And it would have been so great if, if our Heavenly Father had skin because it would have made my pursuit of Him all the more real. But I had it. His promise to me of being a father to the fatherless had skin, Jim Robus, it had, had skin, Joseph Jennings, it had, had skin. It was a man by the name of Pastor Glenn Smith who was an associate pastor at Believer's Church where I found Christ who took me in as a spiritual son. That was Jesus with skin, being a father to the fatherless, constantly revealing himself faithful to me. And I began to think to myself, wow, some of the things that I began to hear at 16, 17, and 18 years old from these men within the church, they'd have been awesome to hear at seven years old, 10 years old, or 12 years old, things like, stop being a punk. Because at 18 years old, when I started hearing this stuff, I thought I had all my stuff together. I mean, I'm on the path now to find who I am in Christ. It's all good. And then I start to pursue my wife. Actually, it's the other way around. She pursued me, asked to marry me, and I said, yes, of course. (laughs) No, it was more like, hey, I went up to her, and I said, hey, can we be friends? She's like, no, please, can we have coffee? No, can we do this? No, and it was just no, 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 and I thought to myself, oh, let the challenge begin. I won. (laughs) And... (laughs) I remember thinking to myself, I'm 17, 18, 19 years old. There's this man by the name of Mark Gunger who happens to be this woman's father and he was a great guy, funny, ha but he wasn't always so funny, ha-ha, when I started dating his daughter. <laughs> and I'm surprised he actually said yes to me, you know, coming into his home as son-in-law now. And I promise you this in my early years because of my inner war, I made his life miserable. <laughs> That's what we're supposed to do, right? And I thought to myself, once again, this man comes into my life and he is once again, and I remember 19 years old, I was dating his daughter already, we were 20, we were married, but 19 a month. My wife goes, well, we were actually 20. I said, no, we were 19, and it was a month later we turned 20. It's one of those little arguments that is probably gonna be in our relationship for the rest of our lives. But I thought to myself, here's this man, this man of faith, this man of God who has been a strong pillar of faith in his home, a strong father who is now my father and receives me and how hopelessly challenged I am on the inside. But yet he always had things to say to me that encouraged me to be something that I just wasn't ready to be. And he didn't always say them in the kindness of ways, but it didn't matter. I still needed to hear it. And this father-in-law became a father to me and has allowed me to be an expression of who I am as a young man today on my journey because of his faithfulness, not just to his own son and his own daughter, but also to me. Because I'm more than just son-in-law. I'm more than just another guy that's coming into his life. And my journey has continued even to this day where I look at this and now I'm a husband and I'm a father of two amazing children. A father. Once did I say that I don't even know if this is even possible. Once I said, you know, I will never be like, I'll never do this, I'll never do this. And I'm, wow, I'm given this opportunity to raise two children that are mine but yet not mine because I understand they're his as I am his and he's their heavenly father and I want to do this right. But I've never had, I don't have that role model, I've never had that person yes I have. They've constantly been around me. Mark, Pastor Glenn, Pastor Lathan, all these people, even my father who now is back into my life after we got married. I had an encounter with him that was purely divine. It was like an Oprah moment. It was great. There was forgiveness had and now he lives in Dykesville and we have this great connection. God continues to reveal himself faithful even to me to this day. because I'm his son and I have this awareness that even though a lot of us when we think of this Father's Day we're fixed this way to our earthly fathers as we should be and we should honor them and love them I want our awareness to be so ever present today of God's continual favor and faithfulness for us as his children because that's what we are we're sons and daughters amen? amen in closing why am I sharing this with you I share this with you because I believe that God has a very strong heartbeat and he's compassionate about the fatherless. I believe that he loves the widows. I believe that he loves those who have not because then it gives him an opportunity to reveal himself and to use people within his church to help lift their eyes from not having here to here to where their source is. We got to get this right as a church. We got to understand that there is a large demographic still within our community at large of fatherless homes. And if we as the church can't maybe get our eyes from time to time off of what we have and what is ours to something that has not, I might not be standing where I am today. Because of God's faithfulness, because of God's nudging and the Holy Spirit convicting other people to come alongside me, to be a father to me in my time of need and their obedience, I stand here today, a man of faith, convicted not just because of their convictions, but also convicted because I'm in pursuit of the very Heavenly Father who put them in my path. Amen. Listen to this, just real quick, in closing. James chapter 1, verse 27, amplified again, external, a religious worship, religion as it is expressed outward, acts that is pure and unblemished in the sight of God the Father is this. To visit and help and care for the orphans or fatherless and widows in their affliction and need, and to keep oneself unspotted and uncontaminated from the world. That's awesome. This is what God is calling us, the church. We gotta get this right, we have to do this right, we have to be mindful, we have to be sensitive, we have to be what he would possibly call us to be. If you ever have a young man or young woman come across your path who has not a father, would you be willing to be an earthly glimpse of their heavenly father? Dads, thank you for being what you should be for your children at home. Dads, thank you for coming alongside individuals such as myself if you have. You have no idea what that means. You have no idea what God is doing when he's using you to come alongside those who have not. Those of you who have a little bit of a a, a struggle with this day because of bad experiences, make that right, whatever that means in your home. My Father, Heavenly Father, encouraged, you've got to forgive your Father. Because if you don't, I cannot create in you the kind of husband and father that I want you to be. And I had to. And now I can stand in the power and the freedom to be what God has called me today. So I say once again to all of you, happy Father's Day. And to the fathers, we celebrate our Lord and King, our Father, who is in heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do, we come before you this morning and let us not sit here this morning unaware of how important it is for us to have an understanding of your continued faithfulness to us. You are Father, you are Teacher, you are Lord, you are Savior, you are Corrector, you are all these wonderful things, and you are Provider, you're Healer, you're our Covering, you are everything to us. Father, we thank you for this day. I pray that we would be diligent in paying honor to our earthly fathers. Lord, where there is pain, I pray that you would bring light into those situations, that you would provoke us to do what is right versus what feels right. I pray, Father, that we could honor those who have been in our lives as father figures and who are fathers. Let this be a day of true celebration. But, Father, we celebrate you today as well. And may we do so from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.